Good morning, church. If you would, turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you're new here, my name is Chris. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome. My wife, Stephanie, I look forward to greeting you after the service in the lobby. But I also want to let you a little bit uh, in on what you're coming into today. As a church family, we've been walking through the last few months, actually, of the Lord just leading us week in and week out into His Word. And we had plans for a series that got scrapped about six or eight weeks ago. And we've just been in this book of John looking at different things uh, as it relates to Jesus' last words to his disciple. But then last week we had a guest speaker. And I don't know about you, uh, for our guests, you may not have heard him. His name was Juan, but he spoke directly to my heart last week. And I know that as I was up here seeking to administer the ministry time, I'm being ministered to at the same time. And so you're coming into a church where the presence and the Spirit of the Lord is, is working on us and is meeting with us and ministering to us. And I hope that that's an encouragement to you because it reminds us that He's alive. It reminds us that, that God is alive, that He is working in us, that He hasn't just spun the earth into motion and then just left us to ourselves. He's working in us. His Spirit dwells in those who He has called to Himself. I know that right after the service last week, I went to the powerhouse duo that writes our questions for our community groups now. That's Kylene and, and uh, Rachel Price, Kylene Chin, Rachel Price. And, and I just said, we, we need to follow up on this, what was happening here at the altar in our community groups, because I think it's impossible, first of all, for me to know everybody that was up here, including myself. But more than that, I think it's going to be in those one-on-one -on -one conversations with each other, in those small group settings that we're going to find the most lasting fruit that will come from the conversations that were being had between you and Father God last week. And so it's my desire that all of our groups in the weeks ahead, if you haven't met since last Sunday, whether it's a grow group, whether it's one of our community groups, that we set aside intentional time to look at Job chapter 3. And, and what it was that God was working in us that those who are even perplexed that Jesus is a friend to those that are perplexed. Jesus is, is not afraid of the questions that you come to him with. He actually is a friend to those who are perplexed, those who are hurting, and, and he welcomes those laments that we're working with in our heart. And I want our community groups and our grow groups to be a place that we can share those things and, and minister one to another, but, but more than that, see Christ ministering perfectly to each one of us. I know for those that might have spoken from self, I've had so many conversations this week where somebody said, I've been Job's friend. Perhaps you've heard that or you kind of walked away and you were like, I've been one of Job's friends. It wasn't my intention and yet that's what I was doing. I was... I was speaking truth, but I wasn't bringing the aspect of care and love with it. I was trying to be sincere in, in caring for them, and yet at the same time I was just piling on to what was going on in their life at that time. I've had so many conversations with people that way, and I've recognized that temptation in my own life as well. And, and even as we're looking at Job and as we're back in the book of John now, and you may think, how in the world are you going to connect all this together? I don't know. He does. What I'm encouraged by is this, that we have a God that hasn't left us to ourselves. We have a God that loves us enough to take time with us and work on us. Why? Just so that we can be better people? No. 
so that our lives can bring him glory. That our lives can be a reflection of his goodness to us. That our lives can be empowered not by the latest craze of the day, but our lives can be empowered by the living spirit of God. I, I want that for my own life. And even as we turn today, we, be, we are introduced to the Holy Spirit as, as Jesus is giving instruction to his disciples. In the final hours before his death on our behalf, he's instructing his disciples and he introduces yet again, I think this is the, the fourth of the introduction of the Holy Spirit in the book of John to his disciples that Jesus is revealing who he is. We're going to look at it a little bit more next week as well. But would you read with me in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 26 as we look at his word for us today. But when the helper comes, when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You know, the other night, my family was, had, had an odd night at home I say an odd night at home because our schedule seems to be scattered to the wind these days where there's only one of us or none of us at home on any given evening. But it was a Friday night and, and those who live at home were still at home and so we watched a movie together and those, those days are few and far between but they are, they're special in this dad's heart. So we were watching a movie together and as we were watching it came across the scene and and in one scene, there was, there was something in this character's hand, and as the camera cut away to another scene, there was nothing in the hand. And in Hollywood, they call that continuity. There was an issue of continuity, and there are entire YouTube channels dedicated to catching those continuity gaps in movies. They can be funny if that's not your job to make sure that it's taken care of. But there was a continuity gap there. And, and we may see this scripture and we may think, what is it like for the disciples in this moment as they're being introduced to somebody? Does it feel like it's discontinuity? Is there a disconnect there? Is there something that's, that's not happening? And, and within the Godhead, within the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, there is no lack of continuity between them. And that's what Jesus is revealing to us here. He's saying that the Spirit, the Helper, the one who is going to come, is coming from me. I am sending him. I am commissioning him to the work that he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you from the Father. And he's the Spirit of truth. And he's going to bear witness about me. And so what Jesus is saying is there is no lack of continuity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you were to look at God and think about him as father, that is also the son that was sent to come and die on our behalf. If you think about the spirit who indwells us now as believers, it is the same spirit that gave up his life on the cross and hovered over the waters at creation. There is no lack of continuity. And what this begins to help us understand is the entirety of the wisdom of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. It, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? How often do we read the Old Testament and think, well, I don't want to serve that God? That, that's, a, that's a human perspective saying there's a lack of continuity between the Old and New Testament. How about those that just say, you know, I really enjoy the, the, the concepts about the, God the Holy Spirit, but 
I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about him having to die. I mean, that just seems like such a, a harsh thing for him to have to go through for our salvation. That, that's a lack of understanding of the continuity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus wants us to understand, what John is trying to capture for us is there is a continuity perfectly between God as Father, God as the Son, God as the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and the one who is going to lead us into truth. We need to understand that so that as we walk in this life, as we face hostilities in this life, we will interact rightly with those sufferings, those oppositions, those moments where we are called to share about the hope that we've received, even in evangelism. Here's maybe a simple way for us to look at this. We can only give away that which we've received. We can only give away Christ. We receive Christ as a gift in salvation. And so he's all we can ever give away. I might say it this way. You can have every evangelism method scripted. And that's not what people need. You can have the perfect tract for the moment. And that's not what people need. People need Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps this is an encouragement to those who don't have every evangelism method memorized. Perhaps this is a an encouragement to those who believe in Jesus Christ and, and you think like, I don't have every framework for the, or the perfect track for the occasion. Here's what you do have. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit with you leading you into all truth. So let me give you a very simple three-word version for evangelism. Give them Jesus. That's all you need. Give them Jesus. Don't try to do more. Don't try to be more. You're not called to be in that place. Give people Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is from, and that's who we, he points back to. See, the Holy Spirit here is called the counselor and the spirit of truth in verse 26. When the helper comes, who I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth, he will bear witness about me. That word helper is also counselor. He's going to help you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of him, he's going to help you speak the truth about Jesus, even while it is that we're being trained and we're being comforted by his ways. See, we're not left with this monumental task of sharing Jesus on our own. We have a divine helper. The Spirit of God has been sent from the throne of God to empower the people of God to witness about the Son of God. And that's good news for you and for me today. What is it that we are to do, though? We're told that we're going to face these opposition, this hostility. There are going to be those that don't agree with what we're saying. Well, let's look, as Scripture tells us, that we're to remain faithful. Verse 16, uh, chapter 16, excuse me, verse 1, it says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember what I have told you. So, 
Don't stop witnessing. Don't stop sharing about Jesus. The Spirit of God empowers us to tell the truth about who Jesus is. But if the Spirit of God is telling us about the truth, in order to tell the truth, we have to be honest about sin, don't we? We have to be honest about our need for a Savior in the first place. And isn't, isn't this where it's very easy to talk about someone else's need for a Savior? Isn't this where it's very easy for us to begin to talk about the world's need for a Savior as if I don't need a Savior? As if you don't need a Savior. So if we're going to be honest about sin, we have to overcome the temptation to minimize sin, don't we? Whether that's in the world or in our own heart. We have to be honest about sin. And being honest about sin means being honest about our own sins. It means being honest about the things that we face. See, it can be very easy to be honest about someone else's sin. But it can be very difficult to be truthful about your own. If you don't believe me, visit a community group. And share what's been going on in your life that week. Be open and vulnerable about what's going on in your life. How often do these kind of words come out of our mouth? Oh, we're doing well. Oh, we're doing fine. Yeah, things have been good this week. See, it can be very easy to talk about someone else's sin, but difficult to be vulnerable and truthful about our own. But see, the Holy Spirit can help witness about our own need for a Savior as well. We don't have to act as if we've got it all figured out and all together. We can be honest about our own brokenness, our own weaknesses, our own failures. And then we can talk honestly about our desperate need for Christ. Bearing witness about his grace at work in us. See, if, if give them Jesus is the foundation for our evangelism, being honest about sin is the foundation for our testimony. This is our witness of what he's doing in our hearts even still today. Those can be the doors that open to share about the goodness of God. So to testify about Jesus means that we have to be honest about sin. But if we're honest about sin, doesn't that mean that there's a willingness to be rejected just as he was? All right, so if we're being honest about sin, let's be honest about this. Nobody likes being rejected. Nobody got up this morning thinking, I'm going to go visit this church today. And I hope that there's an entire group of people that just shun me. I don't think that that's why any of our guests are here today. I hope not. And if that is the case, I hope you experience something so radically different than that. That it embraces you with the love of the one who's embraced each one of us. Nobody enjoys rejection. Nobody seeks that out. We guard our feelings and our friendships to prevent rejection. How many of you have ever been in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or, or some sort of romantic relationship, where there was this sense that rejection was around the corner and you broke it off first just so you weren't the one that was rejected? See, if we're being honest, we have to be completely honest, don't we? We don't like rejection. As a matter of fact, we will reject others just so we don't experience rejection from them. This is the truth of who we are. But see, when we, re, when we fear the rejection of the world, 
more than we fear the rejection of our God, we're refusing in that moment to be identified with Jesus. We're refusing in that moment to be identified with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13 gives us a bit of a glimpse into who this Jesus is. In verse 12 it says this, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify people through his own blood. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For we here have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Have you ever thought about the fact that in those small group moments where we're tempted to just say, well, good, fine, That those are not moments that are pleasing to God. To to shy away from being vulnerable in those moments is not a sacrifice of praise. I I don't know about you, I grew up in the church and so I, I have the, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. It's a song that comes to mind, I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, maybe next week. It's what we call a tease. No, I'm cheesy. It's, it's. A song that comes to mind, springs to mind, and yet what happens a lot of times is we treat the house of the Lord as if that's the only place that our sacrifices are pleasing to Him. And we neglect the other 166 hours of the week. And God is saying, it's all mine. And He wants all of it for His glory. And that's what he's instructing us in here, but he's instructing us and filling us at the same time for the task that he's called us to. Isn't this just another wonderful way that we see that what God calls us to, he also provides for us? What he calls us to, he provides for us. So here's my challenge to you this morning, church. If you've been silent, start speaking now, sharing about what's really going on. Sharing in your witness about how God is really meeting you with His grace. Sharing through the Holy Spirit the truth not only of your own life, but the truth about Him as well. See, when we only share the truth about our life, we can be very vulnerable in that moment. And the world sees that as something that's beautiful. But when we share about His grace entering the equation... That's the moment where we cross over into a new realm of potentially facing rejection. Don't fear that moment, church. Start speaking about his goodness in your life. Why is it this is so important? Because Jesus is not only instructing us to be able to share honestly about what's going on, he doesn't want to see us fall away no matter how severe the persecution that we face is. Now, This is where we actually confront one of the great dangers in our faith. The the danger in our faith is not persecution, it's not injury, it's not death, it's actually falling away. The greatest danger in persecution is being convinced that this temporary life is more valuable than Jesus is himself. The things that we're facing in this moment. See, persecution, the the opposition, the hostilities that we may face in this world, they have a way of, of sifting the true disciples away from those who are false. 
Persecution exposes spiritual scavengers. Those that are just going along and trying to pick up the pieces and circling Christianity, hoping only to get something for themselves. Living for Jesus and telling others about Jesus might cause somebody to hate you. But what he's instructing us in this passage is they hated him first. It's not necessarily directed at you. In the face of persecution, Jesus is saying, in the face of opposition or suffering or hostilities, don't fail, keep walking, keep trusting, and cling to me as Jesus cried to us. Persecution is coming. And what's even more difficult is it might be coming from someone who is really sincere. Look at verse 2 with me of, of chapter 16. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Now, I have to confess a, a, an illustration temptation here. It's a temptation to turn this into an illustration about the dangers of social media. Because we no longer have the gathering of the synagogue. We have this church gathering on Sundays. We have our small groups that happen throughout the week. But I don't know that this is where these types of killings, so to speak, happen as much as social media today. But I'm not going to use that as my, my illustration today. What I actually want to use as an illustration today is the danger of our sincerity. The dangers of our sincerity. See, our sincerity can be a gift but it can also be something that is genuine and insufficient. How many times have you genuinely tried to care for someone and they did the opposite thing of what you were trying to care for them for anyway? I think if we were to have a, a show of hands, everybody would have to raise their hands on this one. And we realize that our sincerity is, is a wonderful gift from God. It oftentimes fuels many of the spiritual gifts that are given to us. It can, it can be a part of the wonderful fruit of the gospel and the fruit of the Spirit coming to bear in our lives. But sincerity can be genuine and it can be insufficient. Now here's the scandal of the gospel. It's this, that sincerity, faith even, or, or belief, that's not what saves you. Everybody's listening very intently for the next line now, aren't you? Yeah, sincerity, belief, faith, those are not the things that save you. No, we are only saved by the one in whom we believe. It's believing in Christ that saves us. It's not just belief in general. So this is where we begin to see that that Jesus is saying to us here, they can be incredibly sincere in their faith, their religious belief or their irreligious belief. They can, there can be a fervor in service toward others. They can be very genuine and loving toward other people, but that sincerity, that, that genuineness, they are insufficient because the plan of this world and the plan of God and the desire of his gospel all center on Jesus Christ. They all center on Jesus Christ. The Bible is laid out through the person of Jesus Christ. It is understand, understood rightly in light of the person of Jesus Christ. All of the stories are pointing and pivoting on Jesus Christ. Jesus says, these people, they might persecute you. They might even kill you. So we're not just talking about opposition in general. 
We're not talking about being cut off in traffic or, or having somebody be rude to you because you have a verse of the day calendar in your cubicle. We're talking about people that will put you to death and praise God for it. And Jesus is saying, don't fall back. Don't fall back. And we have to ask the question, why would someone go through all of that? What Jesus is describing here is not a casual belief. What Jesus is describing here is sobering, isn't it? What he's describing here makes us wonder, why would someone go through all of that? And it's because of this. You are convinced that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than all those oppositions. Jesus is better than all the sincerity in the world. Jesus is better than all of the hostility that you may face. Jesus is better because he is life himself. And it gives us strength in this moment. It calls us out of this being so consumed with today to see a day that's coming. You know, as I, as I read these passages, it's hard for me to get past verse 27 where it says this, because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the one who has known from the beginning those for whom he died. Jesus is the one who had us on his heart on the cross and saw it through anyway. And this calls us out of this sense of easy believism and it calls us to something that says there is a day coming that the hostilities that I face today, the oppositions that I face today will all pale in comparison to the glory of eternity because we have not only been with him from the beginning, but we have an eternity in his glory to look forward to together. You know, we give others Jesus so that they may receive him. So when we talk about evangelism, it's very easy for us to talk about it as if it's this one-way street. It's this, it's this thing that only happens in one direction. You have been made a disciple so that you can go and make disciples. It's a part of what you'll see on the columns as you even exit today, to go and make disciples. And it all of a sudden puts us in this very empowered state, and that is true, church. But we also have to receive from the good news of the gospel as believers, as followers of Jesus. We receive Jesus as a gift so that we also may receive grace. So that we also may know his mercy in our failings. So yes, we give others Jesus so that they may receive him. So that they may experience his grace and his mercy toward them. But we also receive Jesus as a gift so that we can receive his grace and know his mercy. That's astounding, isn't it, church? Our need for him does not change. His goodness toward us doesn't change either. You know, these past few weeks as we've been walking through a variety of circumstances, as, as my own family's been walking through a few different things, and I personally have been walking through a few things. I, I've, I've walked through an experience where in the last couple of weeks I've had my identity stolen. That is a very vulnerable place to be. And I don't mind admitting it to you because you know what I'm worth right now? Nothing. But I am not worthless. 
And you know, there's something strange about that. It's very freeing and heavy at the same time. I've understood heavy for years. Freeing? I feel like I'm just beginning to understand it. There's something freeing and heavy about that at the same time. It's disorienting, church. It's disorienting. We, we had to walk through this last week just how to pay bills. Just how to pay bills. And it feels like the most basic things in life have just been stripped away. And, and I've had this challenge coming to me from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, beginning in verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you know, I think it's easy for us, church, to look at this and say, you know what, that is such an encouraging scripture for somebody who's really going through it right now. And don't we all know somebody who's going through it? Don't we all know somebody who we're trying to pour out and care for them? And yet, I think that what's true about this scripture is that scripture is true for them and it's true for those that are trying to care for them as well. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. You know what? When I can't be there for you, that's because what you need is the perfect strength of Christ, not the perfect strength of Chris. When I don't have the right thing to say, when I'm tempted to be Job's friend, what they need right then is the perfect strength of Christ. And it allows me, as disorienting as it may be, to embrace weakness. To embrace not having all of the answers. To embrace just being there with someone. It allows me to see this scripture as sufficient not only for those that I'm seeking to care for, but for me in real time right now. See, we can easily think that this only applies to those who are experiencing trials. But it applies to us as well. We can be so tempted to take on the work of the Savior or the Spirit but theirs is the lasting work, not mine. Church, can we learn together how to embrace weakness? That's, that's a real question. That's a real call to us as a church. Can we learn to embrace weakness, whether it's situational, whether it's physical, whether it's something in a circumstance that we're walking through, whether it's even in our gifts and talents, in every aspect of life can we learn to embrace weakness so that whatever good comes of this life points all the more fully to the glorious strength of our Savior. Would you stand with me as we sing and respond together? <laughs>